Well, welcome in to the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. I am so excited and grateful that you are uh, joining today and listening uh, to this episode. I am joined right now by my great friend, Ellen Felt. Ellen, could you say hello? Hi, thank you for having me. And this is super awesome. Uh, Going back like five years, maybe six years, about six six years now, Um, I was the worship leader at Conduit Ministries in Jamestown, New York. And Ellen and her family started coming to church there. And um, she joined the worship team, started playing piano, started singing. I instantly felt like I sounded better when I was singing with Ellen. And uh, things really just blossomed into an awesome relationship, songwriting. And then in um, 2018, 2018, we released our first worship album together. So Ellen and I have an album called You Are the Anchor that you can listen to anywhere you listen to music. And then also I have roped her into a couple of projects. She's an amazing artist. And so she has been uh, the illustrator in both of my children's books, uh, which has been awesome, at least for me. I don't know if she would say (laughs) the same thing. She definitely worked harder on both of those than I did. I can write a kid's book in about seven minutes and uh, the art takes a little longer than that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time on them, but you know, the thing is, is you've got, you keep having kids and so you right. get, keep tons of those material. Books. Yeah. 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 Tons of material. So anyways, so in, uh, 2017 then end of the end of 2017, I took this job here at Erie first assembly and, um, which was hard, left a lot of awesome relationships at, at conduit. Um, but, uh, we also knew it was the right decision. And, um, I was very excited when I was told that Conduit was going to be hiring Ellen as the worship leader um, in my absence because, like I said, we're great friends, and I knew she was ready for it, and I knew it was the right fit. And so that's what she does, correct? Yeah. That's what um, you do. For the last year and a half, I've been uh, the worship director there, and, um, you know, it's been been a lot of fun, and it's a lot um, there's a lot of, of... planning that goes in it and a lot of thought and heart that goes behind it Mm -hmm. that you know I don't know if people realize but we do put there's a lot of intention in the sets that we put together and um but yeah it's it's uh it's a fun job though yeah for sure so um I thought what would be a fun and good conversation for us to have today a lot of the conversations Ellen and I have uh revolve around worship because that's where we met it's how we connected and it's what we both do um, week in and week out. So I really um, wanted to get her perspective um, and just share it with you on kind of what worship is and why we do it and her experiences um, in it. Uh, she's at, like I said, at Conduit. It's uh, maybe a couple hundred people at church every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a different, I, I think one of my favorite things about the church is that uh, all churches have different quote-unquote worship experiences Sunday to Sunday, but as long as we're the point, and this is what I would like you to speak to, Ellen, the point of them, uh, of a worship experience, is that we're worshiping our Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, not that the style that is happening is our favorite, not that uh, we agree with the song selection, 
um, but that we are keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is worshiping our Savior. So if you want to add anything to that or just kind of share experiences or anything that's, you know, you've learned in the last little bit on that. Yeah, well, um, well, I always joke that um, people tend to think that worship is the buffer period from when the actual service starts, where people are still getting their coffee and taking mm-hmm. off their coats. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, and I joke about that, but it, I think it's a, it's not something that we do out of um, routine and habit, just because it's built into the service and it's at the beginning. It's, um, <clears throat> it's something that's it's pretty important. Um, not only does it get your heart in the right space, maybe to receive um, the message from from your pastor, um, but I mean it's it's a it's a lot deeper than that because worship in itself, what it is, is is basically finding agreement with God of who He is and connecting your heart with God's heart, and uh, when you can do that and lead a room to do that collectively together, it's a really really powerful thing. You're not just singing music. Um, it's really not about just singing songs at the beginning of a service. You're actually coming to agreement together as a in a in a room as a whole body of people right, right. with who God is. I remember um, I can't remember if you were there a few years ago. We a bunch of us went to uh, Pittsburgh area and caught Bethel. No. Were you at that? Nope. You weren't. Uh, and uh, Steph Gretzinger and I stole this and have said it so many times, but I love it. She said, um, this, uh, this moment right now is a one-time opportunity. I've preached this in so many worship-based messages, and I've said it before songs. Like, when, when the, a group of people come together to worship, that collection of people, that exact collection of people is a one-time thing. Like, what are the chances that this 173 people mm-hmm. are in the room again next week? No one's added and no one's subtracted. Zero. I mean, it's not going to happen, right? Just the way life works, and and whether the, or whatever church, you know, I don't care if it's three thousand five hundred people, like whatever the number is. So it's our one shot that moment to offer God a sound He's never heard before, mm-hmm. and He'll never have a chance to hear again. And when she framed it in that way, I was like, "Holy cow! Like this mm-hmm. matters, you know." And of course, I know it matters, but like that, that. Uh, weight just spoke to me in, mm-hmm. in big ways yeah I've, I've heard you say that before and it is a great reminder because it's you know uh it's a it's truly a beautiful thing that what we do we connect with god and um what we offer him is you know we want it to be pleasing to his ears we want it to be glorifying to him um but it is special each time, you know, whether you're worshiping in your car, you know, on your way to your job, or you are, you know, in a group of 3,000 people with, you know, some famous worship band. It's it's special every single time. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, as we were getting ready to hit record and, and put this podcast together, I think the main thing that stood out to me, what we were talking about, is worship isn't a style Mm-hmm. But worship is a lifestyle, right? Like Absolutely. finding worship in everything, uh, looking for those moments and and just seeking to do them. Like you spoke to it earlier, worship is not the four songs before someone talks for 25 mm-hmm. minutes or 35 or an hour. You know, like that's not, worship is not a portion of a service on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? And that might seem like, well, yes, it is because that's what we call the musical part of a service, but like, 
we have to get our brains outside of that um, that headspace because that's not what it is. Worship is a lifestyle, and that that specific moment in a service is where we, the spiritual leaders, have set aside a time to corporately worship together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, something that I remember that Rick Pino had said, he's um, an amazing uh, worshiper, but he also teaches a worship coach class, and I listen to a lot of his stuff. Um, but he he describes, you know, God is infinitely worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. And so if we were to worship him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we would barely even scratch the surface on what God deserves. Right. And so, you know, four or five songs at the beginning of a church service is is not scratching the surface. Right. You know, we should be worshiping God, you know, inwardly um, and outwardly, seven days a week that that should it should be part of built into our lifestyle absolutely right and i think it's why when you read in revelation and you see the curtain has been peeled back on what's happening in heaven it's just this constant flood of worship to the only one who's worthy Mm -hmm. i say around here at erie first all the time worship is our opportunity to ascribe worth to the only one who's worthy Mm -hmm. like that's the that's the language that we use but you know something happened to me Last year, right after, last spring, my father-in-law passed away really unexpectedly, and it was a really hard um, little bit, and many of you listening may have you know, known about that or, or helped us through that, and we appreciate it. Um, but I shared this in a sermon one time. Uh, we were singing the song, Endless Alleluia, by Corey Asbury, and there's also a song that uh, speaks the exact same thing, Nailed to the Cross, by Ren Collective. Uh, I'll pick on that one because those lyrics are right in the front of my mind. But it says in verse 3 or 4, When I stand before the throne at last, his blood will plead my innocence. I'll worship him with holy hands and raise the song that never ends to Jesus Christ, my righteousness. And I was instantly taken to the reality that my father-in-law had joined this heavenly song that never ends and that when I worship, uh, when we worship, we are joining in with a heavenly mm-hmm. sound that's being made all the time. And it was like, it didn't hit me in rehearsal. And then we went live for the service and I was wiped out. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't, because it was just such a holy moment. And it was, this is, I'm going to cry saying it now. This is the one thing Kevin and I can still do together. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just amazing, you know? I love that. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, that... That is the very broad way of saying worship is so much more than the four songs before a message, mm-hmm. right? It is so much bigger than that. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's not a genre either. I think a lot of people think that worship has to look like hymn, hymns or it has to look like, um, you know, what they grew up listening to mm-hmm. when, um, you know, in the 90s or, or whatever, sure. whatever it is. I, I think that... Um, God is honored through it all, and he'll continue to be honored by our praises, you know, 50, 100 years from now when we're not super familiar with the style, but it's just still going, as long as it's honoring God and pointing to who he is and and um, and how much we love him or, um, you know, what he's done for us, then it's still worship. So, yeah. Pastor Nicole preached uh, in our worship series last year. 
And one of the, the lines she said that still sticks with me was, spiritual maturity finds the, the truth in whatever the song is mm-hmm. and worships because mm-hmm. of it, right? It, it has nothing to do with style. And I totally understand that we have preferences and styles that speak to us and, and whatever. Like, I, we're human beings. I'm not going to discount that at all. But at the end of the day, um, I had a, I had a uh, how would I say it? I think what spoke to me uh, in that worship series last year that we did here, I said, um, someone had written me a card. This is what it was. Someone had written me a card and said, we had done like a 25-year-old Hillsong, one of their first songs. Uh, I don't even remember which one. And she wrote, Annie, I love that song. Thank you so much for doing it. Anytime I hear a song off that album, now I would have been 11 when that album came out. Anytime I hear a song off that album, I start crying because that's when I got saved Mm -hmm. and God did this great work in my life. And it was this big light bulb moment for me with the Holy Spirit because I was like, that's what it is. We cling to, and this is totally fine, but we cling to songs that Mm -hmm. are important to a season in our life, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. But what I preached in kind of a hopefully an awakening moment was God wants to have started brand new season right now. Mm-hmm. Let's get some new songs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Psalm says, sing a new song to the Lord mm-hmm. over and over and over. And the church has never stopped doing that for 2000 years. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, it's, let's be mature enough to understand. Of course, we have songs that speak to us that we love that are, that coincide with a significant moment or season in our life. But let's also embrace the fact that God wants to have a, wants to start a brand new season right now, and He's got a brand new soundtrack and a brand new anthem that He'll attach to it. And in twenty years, we can look back on those songs. Mm-hmm, absolutely, right? yeah. Um, it's what's funny is um, I, okay, coming from a worship director point of view, when you're like picking songs out, you know, we're not just closing our eyes and just picking a song out of the file. You know, we have some thought that we put into it, but it's, I don't necessarily pick my favorite songs from right. week to week. Sure. I don't think to myself, you know, I just want this whole worship experience to be catered to my own personal tastes of music style um, at all. In fact, there's sometimes where I put songs in there, not because of the song itself, but because the words in them, um, stood out to me or it was something that I felt like our congregation needed to find unity on and agree on together. And so and when I we brought them forth, um, you know, it, it's just amazing how despite my own personal taste towards that song, you know, the congregation worships. Sure. You know, they, they, they are there, they see it, they feel the Holy Spirit, and we worship. So. Yeah, and there is even, um, you know, the worship portion and the sermon portion aren't mutually exclusive. There's, I'm sure there's times at your church, I know there's times at ours where I'll work with Pastor Nicole, you'll work with Pastor yeah. Kim, you'll figure out songs that will go well with what's going to be discussed because right. we want to prime the pump and we want to get, the, we want to set the stage. Absolutely. Right? So yeah, those things go together. I had something happen to me earlier this year. Uh, someone made a comment and I mean, maybe I'll get in trouble for calling this out, but I think it needs to be called out. So I'm just going to go for it. Someone made a comment that young people get their theology from songs. And so it's important that whatever songs we do are rich in theology. Now, before I go on, let me say this. 
it is important that the songs we do have good theology. Mm -hmm. But let me shut down this notion that anyone, I don't care if you're young or old, you better be getting your theology from the word. Mm -hmm. That's where theology comes from. Songs should, of course, affirm that and back it up and encourage it. Um, But the word is our source and songs are supplemental to that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... I was kind of taken aback because I was like, no, everyone should be, the worship portion of the service isn't even there to edify the people. It's there to praise Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's there to lift him up and glorify him. We happen to also benefit from that portion Mm -hmm. of the service, but that was not the intention ever. Mm -hmm. And it's not our intention as worship leaders, right? Right. But, um, where we should be getting our theology is from when that word opens up and a pastor speaks to us from it and challenges us and the Holy Spirit convicts us and mm-hmm. shows us things. So anyways, it was just a, I don't know if you've ever had anything like that or. Well, in, in a, in a, as far as the service goes for certain, but we need to also be making sure we're challenging people to open up their own Bibles and have their own exactly. time yeah. um, in the word. So, um, yeah, I've had people challenge um, um, song choices before, for sure. Um, and yes, we do we do make sure that they are theologically, uh, you know, aligned with. We want them aligned with scripture, absolutely. Of course, yeah. There, there's actually been a recent debate about a lot of the you know new stuff out there being all about what God has done for me, and it's all like a self-centered. Um, you know, worship, and I, I kind of see where people are coming from in that. But if you really listen to them, they're about their testimonies. Sure. Their testimonies about what Jesus, you know, has done for us, and um, and I don't think I don't think it should be all about that. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't only be testimony and about what God has done. But that's that's some of the criticism that I've heard from people before. But I'm, I'm trying to I'm pretty mindful about that. Sure, and but to that point. The Psalms, the book on worship yeah. in the Bible, yeah. is filled with songs of lamentation, yeah. songs of praise, yeah. songs of ascent. Like there are, there are types of songs dating back to before Jesus, to mm-hmm. King David. So, mm-hmm. you know, of course there are going to be songs that purely worship His glory and His greatness. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Mm. You know, but if there are also songs like I'll just throw out some names like faithful to the end that is a constant reminder of how faithful he is Mm -hmm. and and i've said before how do you build your faith for the future you look back on what he's done for you Mm -hmm. and you remind yourself and you recall that that's one way you get in the word and you read about all he's done for everyone the promises he's given you but you know it's a multifaceted conversation that we're having here and so so i just think that um should every song in a set be straight up testimony? No, you know, probably not. Um, but should, is it okay if some of them are? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just, um, it's really the, the idea, the big picture of it is um, it's important for us in our everyday life and it's important for us in our Sunday morning experience to lay, lay down our personal preferences and put him first what what does he deserve in this moment regardless of me what does he deserve 
And the answer, 100% of the time, is my full, undivided attention, Mm -hmm. devotion, affection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a great place to start. And since we're human and in a highly distractible world, um, you know, worship and and song is a great place to kind of hone in on our focus of him and... um, (laughs) <laughs> then we could be distracted, you know, for the whole rest of the day. Sure. No, but I mean, it is a it is a great place to get everybody, um, narrow, you know, narrow yeah. their. But but for real, there. even I know you're speaking in jest, but in light of what you just said, and in light of the podcast I did with my wife, like we we struggle so hard to be present. Absolutely. Is it too much to ask that for the <laughs> ninety minutes of corporate gathering on a Sunday morning we shut our phones off? We focus on that one thing mm-hmm. and we take the time to recenter. Right. It's the whole point. Yep. If we came together to do anything else, we wasted our time. Right. Absolutely. That's totally the point of coming mm-hmm. together as the church. Yeah, and um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. You know, we go, we show up to church and we have a job to do, and I even get distracted. Um, I get distracted just like anybody. Sure. You know. Um, whether I hit a wrong note or these things or whatever, but that's when I, when I start to realize that that's not about me. You know, it's, right. I'm not there to be perfect. I'm not there to produce a product for people to consume. I'm there to, you know, just do, just to lead people in worship. Yep. And um, it's not really about my efforts as much as it is about, you know, being intentional about praising God. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, awesome. I really appreciate you doing this, Ellen. Anything else you want to add as we go? Anything? Any closing thoughts or? Um. Well, yes, actually, if uh, there was this book that you recommended mm. to me that I was going to bring up because, um, I feel like if anybody is interested in understanding more about what worship is, um, is that book uh, by Louis Giglio? Yes. The air I breathe. The air I breathe by Louis Giglio. Yeah. it's small. It's it's a quick read and yeah. it's full. It is loaded. It's so good because it's it really just talks about how you know we're humans. We are created to worship something, mm-hmm. and that's just the way that we were designed. And um, so he really dives into what worship is and and why it matters and why we do it. And it's really good. So if anybody's interested in learning more, that's a good one. That's a great closing thought. So I will leave you with this on this installment of the quintessential ministry podcast. You, my friend, are a worshiper. The question is, what are you worshiping? And so anyways, if you have any other thoughts, questions, comments, you can find me or Ellen on the internet and let us know. But uh, I appreciate you doing this, Ellen. Thanks for driving down and uh, sitting in. And um, I love these conversations. So we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.